many of you like to access heaven this morning? Yes. So last week, we took some time to talk about the master key box, all right? And we used this scripture last week over in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. It says, Jesus is speaking. So if you have that red letter Bible or you're pulling up the, your Bible app on your phone or your electronic device, just make sure you're not, you know, checking in on your Facebook and messing with a bunch of notifications because what we're going to say today will change your life. If you let yourself get distracted through your electronic device, you're going to find yourself missing something very powerful. All right? So if you're opening that up and you're looking at it and you have that red letter edition, then you'll see Jesus is talking here. And Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that awesome? That lets us know that Jesus actually has them. Amen. I said Jesus has them. Yeah. And he wants to give them. Yes. It's not like he says, I have the keys and you can't have them. Nah, nah, nah. Nah, 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 nah. I had the keys. You can't have them. Right? No. Jesus wants to give us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Then he goes on and basically says, now, once you get in possession, once you receive it, receive keys. And it's not just one. I said, it's not just one. It's keys of the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, and whatever, what's that next word? You. What's that next word? You. Come on, be loud. What's the next word? You. Whatever you, not whatever he, Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, why does it work for you? Because you're connected to heaven. Because you are born of the Spirit of God. And now the Holy Spirit lives in you and speaks to you concerning what Jesus is saying. Jesus said when he comes, that is the Spirit of truth, he will live in you and he will speak to you things I am saying. So Jesus is in heaven right now, seated on a throne because thrones are in kingdoms, not in religions. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit is listening to what Jesus says. And Jesus says, tell them this. So when Jesus speaks to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit, and then you say what the Holy Spirit is saying to your spirit, you're speaking from what's happening in heaven. But notice it's not God doing it on earth. You're doing it on earth because you're saying what God said. Can I get an amen? Amen. He said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Last week, we talked about seven characteristics of keys. Characteristics just meaning distinguishing traits. And we learned this. Number one, that keys are by which the kingdom of God operates. This is how the kingdom of God operates. If there was no reason for keys, then Jesus wouldn't say, I'm going to give them to you. If there was no use for the keys, then he wouldn't be giving them. So we obviously need the keys. Say, I need the keys. Say, I need the keys. Have you ever gone out to your car and all of a sudden realized, I left my keys? I don't care how much you pull on that door. I don't care how much you scream at your car. I don't care how many times you get people to come by and lay hands on it for you. You need a set of keys. So what do you do? A lot of times you'll call your spouse or a friend and say, hey, man, I left my keys at such and such. Would you get them? And you'll hang out till the keys show up. Because when the keys show up, it gives you access. All of a sudden, you can utilize uh, that Whatever that is, the car, uh, because now you are in possession of the keys. So again, Jesus is telling us there's things that come from heaven that you're not going to get until you are a possessor of keys. Amen. The next thing we learned was this, was this. Keys are principles. That just means they are code. They are a code of conduct. You know what? There's a way to live in the kingdom of God. There's an old life to leave and a new life to live. There's an old life to leave. There's a new life to live. There's an old life to leave. There's a new life to live. Amen. And the kingdom life is the best life ever. Amen. Number three, we learned this last week. Keys are law. Keys are laws. And listen, I understand there's a lot of teaching in the church concerning law. We'll deal with that a little bit later on today in our message. But know this, keys are laws. That just literally means this. They are rules enforced by the governing authority. Do you know there's only one way into a relationship with Jesus? Only one way. 
There's no other way around it. You can't circumvent it. You can't make up your own path. In essence, God said, which means there's only one legal way to be born again. Only one. Only one way that calls you to be justified. And that is a confession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's a lot of people who have abandoned Christianity because they feel it's too narrow. That if God's such a loving God, how in the world would he send people away to eternal damnation? And so they can't conceive that Jesus, a confession of faith, is the only way. But the Lord tells us this is the only way, which means this is what we call legal entrance into a relationship with God. But we'll expound more a little bit later. Number four, keys are systems. That means it's a network for distributing something. So if you want heaven to manifest in your earth, then you've got to have some keys. You need to have some keys. Number five, we learn that keys activate function, which means keys reveal purpose, cause purpose to come to pass. And we ministered this a few weeks ago when we were in our series called uh, uh, The Forest. We learned this, that repent deals with the nature of man, but the kingdom deals with the purpose of man. And many people live their whole life never discovering their purpose. Their whole life, all they do is, I just want to get right, ask Jesus to come into my heart and save me. That way when I die, I go to heaven. Yet they never discover what God's called them to do. Never do they understand the reason why they're living right now in this time frame. So keys will activate function. Keys will initiate action. Means it will bring it about. Again, you insert a key and you turn it, then it creates an action. And it changes something locked to unlock and something unlocked to lock. It requires an action. I said it requires an action. You know faith is an action. You can't expect a lock to unlock just because. There has to be an action that takes place. In fact, here's the key box. That's locked. Open up. Get open. Do something. Right? I mean, unless you have the key, you're not accessing. And here's the last thing we learned about keys. Keys cannot be substituted by feelings, emotions, wishful thinking, or manipulation. Listen, if you'll open up, I'll serve you. Please open up. Please, oh my God, please open up. Please open up. Right? I really wish that it would just open. Let's just think hard. (laughs) Right? No. What do we need? We need the keys. I said we need the keys. And anything that ever happens to your life that brings heaven into earth, somebody brought the key. I said, somebody brought the key. You may not have been in possession. Do you have the key? (laughs) You don't have the key? Why are you up here? I have the key. So, because I have the key, guess who has access now? Who does not have access on this platform? He has the key box. But what good is the key box? I said, what good is the key box if you don't access it? You'd be amazed at how many people actually have a key box that don't know how to access it. They're holding it around. Now, just because you did this don't mean you opened anything. Just because you, you woke up one morning and went, Hallelujah. Surely God didn't send me to Second Chronicles. <laughs> ah, here's a good one. Ah, yes, yes, hallelujah. Hmm, this is so good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Thank you, Father. And that's it. We're done. There's our devotion. Right? And we're looking for signs. For this thing, you're hoping that that thing's going to work for you. Expecting, and then when anything happens, you're giving God credit for stuff God's not even doing. Because his will is his word. And when you know his word, then you can access. So Jesus did the very thing we couldn't. Devin and I, by ourselves, could never obtain the key 
to open this box. But Jesus did. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he gave us the keys or the key of salvation. And now this key opens up a new life. That what was once locked up from us, now we have by right of the new birth. Hallelujah. Salvation opened up the kingdom of God for me. And allowed me to now say, wow, what is this? What is this? Is, there's a whole lot of keys, which tells us this. There's a whole lot going on for my life that's going to require me to work these things. This one key opened up all of this. But now it's our responsibility to seek first the kingdom of God because in here we can then possess some things. We can get access. Like this one here. Real quick, it says um, media black to drawer, drawer file. So this is to a filing cabinet in the media department. And I happen to know where it's at, which means now I have access. And if there's something in life that required me to gain at, get to that media drawer, then guess what? Now I can go. I don't need you because now I have discovered through the Lord how. And I can unlock it and lock it. If I don't want you to come by, boom. If I don't want the devil snooping around in my, I can lock it down. You're not stealing what's in there. You're not going to steal my joy. You're not going to steal my peace. You're not going to steal. You don't get access to my peace and joy. I lock you out of that. But when I need peace, I just unlock the file cabinet, open it up, and pull a piece of peace out. Piece of peace. Piece of peace. All right. Hey, this is an important key. This is a firebox key. That way when the trouble comes and the alarms go off and we've taken care of the trouble, then we can shut the alarm down. Amen. Because there ain't not anything worse than the devil screaming in your ear saying, danger, 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 when you've walked around and said, the danger's not here. Shut up and come out. Hallelujah. All right. So again, I had to look for where things are located. Are you with me? But now, I got a few that are like this one here. This one's not labeled. And you think, well, what's that to? How are you ever going to know? You know what? The Bible talks about mysteries. How many times have you read through the Word and you didn't see it? You went through and you passed over a key and didn't realize it was a key. Yet, as you continue to be faithful with God and studying God's Word and seeking first His kingdom, then eventually, keys that are not labeled today and are still a mystery to you, eventually they'll get a label. Because every time you access the Word of God because you've been born again, say, okay, this is all that's mine. The devil can't take any of it. Because I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. And I'm going to come back over here at will. And I'm going to access this thing. Whatever I need, and I won't let the devil take my healing. I won't let the devil take my joy. I won't let the devil take my peace. I won't let the devil take my uh, provision. Yeah. Amen, because you can turn around, and I see it. Believers have the key to the keys and say, I'm born again, but never insert the key into the Word of God. Yeah. And all they do is say, well, I'm going to heaven. I know I'm good. How do you know you're good? Right here. I have salvation. When I die, I'm going. Yep. But he said he wants to give you the keys. Yes. How come you're carrying one? Yeah. Come on. Right. Yeah, but I got some people that have come by, and they'll be like, man, why don't you take your salvation key and open this thing up? Because when I start showing up at your house, I start coming like this. And you got your little one salvation key, and I'm like, what's your problem? Well, pastor, man, I'm sick. Okay, no problem. I got the health care key. Yeah, right here, this one says he bore our infirmities, right? Our sickness. This one right here says by his stripes ye were healed. This one says right here, the Lord Jehovah Rapha, he's your healer. This one right here says to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This one right here says that uh, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And all of a sudden, I'm unlocking heaven's health care system in your life. And it works for you. And you're healed. Yeah. 
And then I go take my keys back and I go put them in because I can access healing anytime I want. And I go put them in my key box because I know the word, right? Thank you, sir. And I'll take them because I keep them safe. I'm not going to let the devil steal healing from me ever again. And I lock, here's my salvation. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm sick again. And I'm like, bro, you need to learn to get some keys. Now you think this isn't true. What did Jesus do? Jesus went by a man by, at the pool of Bethesda and said to him, listen. He said, what do you want? And he goes, man, I need somebody to put me in this pool. Because like every time I try to get down when the angels stir it, I'm, I don't get in before someone else and they get healed. And Jesus said, well, get up and walk. And healed the man. And he carried his mat. He didn't even know who Jesus was. Now Jesus wasn't wishing, Lord, I sure wish you'd heal him. There were other people, but the Lord spoke to him directly about this man. And he said, get up and carry your mat. So the Pharisees, <coughs> excuse me, found him and said, why in the world are you carrying your mat on the Sabbath? He said, man, all I know is a guy healed me and told me to take my mat and go home. I've been sick for 38 years and couldn't walk. <coughs> and if a man can heal me and I'm, I'm good, I'm going to take my mat and go. Are you with me? I'm going to take my mat and go. So what did he do? Picked up his mat. Jesus finds him and says, hey, now listen. Don't be sinning anymore because something worse would get on you. Now what's he telling him? I'm not going to be here the next time something shows up with the key. You need to get some keys. You need to get some keys. And a lot of times you'll come down and get, a, get healing in a line. And God will have that minister unlock heaven for you, get healing in your body. But ultimately, he wants you. I mean, do you really want to be dependent on someone to have a key to unlock your life, right. to be able to get things to you? Do you want to be so dependent? Because if that's the case, I would not preach to you the keys. I would maintain the keys and say, come see me. I'll let you in. Right. But the Lord didn't. And there's religions who do this. But the Lord says, I want to give you access. I want you to be able to be able to unlock heaven at will. That you don't have to call somebody. That you can go ahead and unlock that thing and get it to come in to your earth. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. I'll let you take those. Praise the Lord. So, we're going to talk about seven properties of keys this morning. Seven properties of keys. Now, I won't do all seven. We'll only do a few this morning and then we'll do some more next week. But I'm telling you, these are powerful. Because if I made you bring your vehicle keys up right now. All right, if I made you do that, you're going to really desire them when we go to leave. And if you don't start desiring the things of God, because it works exactly the same, you're going nowhere without the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You are dependent on somebody saying, hey, you need a ride? I mean, I thank God that somebody can take me somewhere. Wednesday night, we went out, and our car battery was dead. Click, click, click. And what's crazy, it's a push button. You can't even insert a key anymore, right? That thing started freaking out on us. So much so that it kicked into anti-theft. Great. So now it's low. It says, we won't let it turn on at all now. Well, now we're trying to jump it off, trying to give it enough juice, but it's kicked into anti-theft mode, which is, I don't care how strong it is. Somebody's trying to steal your car, and it won't crank up. And you're like, seriously? Thank God we had access to the internet. And my man was able to pull up YouTube and find out how to override that thing. <laughs> pull the fuse, put the fuse back in while the door's open. Next thing you know, it cranked up. We got home. The next day, I had to uh, jump it off again, got it over, put a brand new battery in it. Praise the Lord. But they were like, Pastor Earl, you want us to take you home? Now, honestly, I appreciate the gesture, but I just soon drive home myself. <laughs> Amen. I don't want to be dependent on somebody. My only person I'm dependent on is the king of kings. Are you with me? Now, that doesn't mean I don't need you, and there's not times that I want, and there's times that you have keys that I want you to show me how to use that key so I can get my own set. So that if sickness comes, I can pull it in. If I need provision, I can pull it in. If all of a sudden uh, the cares of life show up, I know how to cast them off. Pastor Earl, can you cast the cares off for me? Well, yeah, I can. I can cast them off for you. But there'll come a season you got to learn to cast them off yourself. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Lord, I just got these strongholds. You know, I got these things in my mind that just you know, lock me up. You know what? I can unlock those things for a season. 
until you decide that you're going to get some keys yourself. So there's seven properties. We're going to do three today. The first one is uh, keys represent access. Keys represent access. Now, when we say access, this means that you develop a boldness uh, where you will boldly come before the throne of grace. And again, thrones are in kingdoms, not in religions. Let me give you some scripture. In uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, the King James says it this way. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace uh, uh, to help in the time of need. So notice how we're supposed to come before the throne. What's so, what's so uh, uh, difficult for new believers or believers in general is that you have this awareness that you weren't even worthy to come in the presence of the king. You were lost and separated from God. But then he came to us. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He came and ran you down and says, hey, I'm going to give you an option. You don't have to live this way anymore. So here's the reality, guys. God doesn't send anyone to eternal damnation. He lets you decide. He lets you decide. You decide whether you want to accept Jesus as Lord or reject him. It's entirely up to you. He'll give you your sentence, whatever you want. And Jesus said, I provided a way. You no longer have to be shackled and changed to the ways of the world and to your uh, former manner of life. I'll set you free from all that. I'll unlock it. I'll give you access to heaven. All you have to do is call on my name to be born again. And when you're born again, then all of a sudden this thing called saving grace flips over into the grace Jesus walked in. See, Jesus didn't need saving grace because Jesus was a man who knew no sin yet became sin. But the Bible says Jesus was full of grace. He was full of it. Well, if the definition we use for grace, which is just one of the multi-sides of grace, which is saving grace or unmerited favor. And that's the big buzzword we use in the church, you know, which is true. There is a side of grace that is unmerited favor, which means you did not deserve what you are receiving. None of us deserve eternal life. We deserve to be separated from God for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yet, where was Jesus unmerited? Where did Jesus in his earthly existence ever exist that he didn't deserve something? He was perfect without spot or blemish. He didn't need God's saving grace. Now, some would argue, yeah, he needed God to save him from hell. Well, he knew deliverance was coming, but it's not that he needed to be saved because he committed sin in the earth. Yet, while he's in the earth perfect, he still had God's grace. Well, what grace did he have? It's called empowering grace. Now, when you get born again, that saving grace causes you to come through the blood. Meaning, you didn't deserve it, but I made a way. Ha, hallelujah. And you pass through the blood. And once you pass through the blood, now you're a new creature in Christ. And you get a deposit of another type of grace called empowering grace. Which means when Jesus walked on the earth and he was tempted on all accounts like we were, yet without sin, now we have that grace afforded to us that when any temptation comes, we are empowered to resist it. Say, I can resist. Say, I can resist. You can resist uh, the temptation the devil throws at you because you have empowering grace now. But this grace also uh, can be extended in any situation you show up when you go before God's throne boldly. See, because we didn't deserve, we think we come before the throne, you know, all sheepishly. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I just, I don't deserve anything. I'm just a maggot, no good, nothing. Well, you were, but now you're a child of God. And he says, boldly come say, hey, dad. See, in the old covenant, we uh, know that there was this place called the holies of holies. That's where the presence of God was. And not anyone could just access that. Only the high priest could access it once a year, and he had to be purified, had to uh, go through a sanctification process, had to go through this ritual that allowed him to be uh, cleansed from everything so he could go into the holies of holies, get in the presence of God, and make atonement for Israel once and for all. But God said, I don't want one person to access my presence only. I want all creation to access me. So he sends his son, Jesus, who died on the cross, and when he says it's finished, the 
Bible says the veil was torn. That means the holies of holies have been now made available for all to access God's presence. And what does the Bible say about Jesus? His name would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And not only is he with us, he's in us. I said he's in us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't live in a tabernacle anymore. He doesn't live in a temple anymore. He lives in you. I said he lives in you. The third person of the Godhead is resonant on the inside of you. Wow. What calls for rejoicing that God lives on the inside of us. And because of that, we can walk straight into the throne room and say, in the name of Jesus, Jesus, I've come to, Father, I've come to have a conversation with you in the name of Jesus. I've come to talk to you. Now, we honor him. Don't get me wrong. There's honor there. I mean, I was in the military myself. And you understand, when, a, a, when a, 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 an officer, because I was enlisted, when an officer came, I didn't fall down on my face and say, oh, I'm unworthy to be in your presence. No, I honored him. I stood at attention, gave a salute, and I waited until he returned it. Once he acknowledged me and returned it, then I returned, and then I'd wait instruction. That instruction may be at ease. That instruction may say parade rest. Whatever. He may just say, you know, at ease, you know, we're fine, just... Everything's good. You know, we could just act normal. Then you just start carrying on a conversation. And I'm talking to this uh, officer like he's one of my peers. All the while, I know he holds the authority or she holds the authority. And I'm not disrespecting her by, or him by going, oh, I'm no worthy. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be in your presence like that. He, they deserve that. No, they're like, you're a soldier. We know our position. We know how we're arranged. And the same thing is with the body of Christ and the king of glory. King Jesus said, I want you to get in here in the presence of my dad. I want you to come in and fellowship with him. I want you to come in and spend time with him. And you boldly come say, King Jesus, Father God, I come into your presence today to have a conversation. You've made me worthy to walk into your presence because he gave us the key of access, the key of access. We see this in a couple other scriptures in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. It says, for through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. How do you access the Father? Not by mental assent, not by mere Bible knowledge and quoting scripture, but it's by the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is who gives us access to the Father. Jesus poured his blood and through that acceptance, we become born again. The Spirit of God lives in us, and he's talking to Jesus seated on the throne. And we have this access that we can talk and fellowship and commune with him and have this conversation. We can confidently pray. The Bible tells us that when we pray, that we can pray with confidence. He says this, when you ask the Father anything, According to his word, we can ask confidently. This is the confidence that we have. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14, 13, 14 and 15. This is the confidence that we have. The problem is the church don't understand what confidence looks like as a whole. Because they confuse confidence with arrogance. Amen? I mean, am I arrogant because I say, that's my wife. I'm confident. That's my wife. And there's not another one. This is the ring. That's the ring. We are one flesh. I'm not wavering in that. So if some other man decided to swing through and try to talk to my wife, I'd be like, that's my wife. Are you hearing me? I mean, some man better get some confidence up in here and know what's yours. I mean, this is my one flesh. You've come talking to the wrong person because you're going to have to deal with me. Now, I may not be nothing to look at, and you may think you can take me, but you don't understand of the power that's on the inside of me. And I'll pray for you, and I'm going to walk in love, and I'll let you slap me twice. After that, the Samson anointing. Or the Elijah anointing. Something's going to manifest. Or my angel's going to break out. I don't know if you're going to get the bulls or what. But don't mess with God's anointed is what I'm saying. I trust God's word. Amen. Now, people think that's arrogant. That's not arrogant. It's confident. It's not in what I did. It's what Jesus did on the cross. It's amazing. We're all confident that I gave him the key to salvation. We're all confident that when I die, I go to heaven. How many are you confident you're going to die and go to heaven? 
What evidence do you have? Okay, yeah, I'm preaching now. What evidence do you have? I mean, have you been there? Most haven't. Most haven't had a vision of it or been there. And even if you did, it could have been bad pizza. I don't know. <laughs> what I'm saying is, we don't see that unseen, but we are confident because we made a confession of faith in Christ that we're there. Yet we can't be confident that he healed our body. We can't be confident that he supplies all of our needs. All of a sudden, we get wishy-washy. No, we can unlock heaven in every one of those arenas as well. As confident as I know, I have locked down death. Because I've confessed Jesus as Lord, death doesn't own me. Now, my body is going to pass, sure. But that's not death. That's just me leaving this body. I'll, I will be separated, but I'll get a glorified one. But I'm alive unto God. And I know as sure as I'm standing here breathing right now that I'm alive to God. And to be absent from this body, I'm going to be present with the Lord. I have a hell to shun, and it is completely shunned. I've got a heaven to gain. I've got a relationship with my king. I've got a kingdom that I will enter into in a physical realm. I'm already in it in a spiritual realm, and I'm confident of that. But I'm just as confident that he healed my body. I'm just as confident that he has the ability to cast off every care so that I don't worry one bit. That he cares for me and that he'll sustain me because I know how to access peace. Bible tells us that he'll give you peace beyond your understanding to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I have that key. So in a stressful situation, I don't wring my hands. Oh, my God, God, please take this from me. I don't wring my hands. No, I go looking for the key. Amen. I mean, nobody gets their house open or their car open by wringing their hands and crying. You call in a locksmith or you're going to find a set of keys. So don't shed a tear. Find the answer. I said, find the answer. Amen. Amen. I just go looking for keys. Okay, Lord, I know in your master key box, the key of peace is here. And I don't have to carry this load. I know I don't. So I'm going to start unlocking peace and get it to access my life. I have access. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 12 says, In whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. Now what is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. So again, I'm not arrogant. I'm confident that what God has said will come to pass, period. Faith is a firm persuasion. Amen. So, I don't have that set of keys on me right now because I got them in my bag, but I have a GMC truck out there, and that truck has a key that can pass from this realm contained within its little chip to my vehicle to another one. When I push a button, in the unseen, a signal will go out. You can't see it or hear it. But all of a sudden, you'll see my truck lights go Saying, confirmation. <laughs> I got that sign, right? I'm working, right? Even when I don't see it, you're working. He's working. And so, I push that button. Well, I go out there and I push that unlock button and I see it flashy and I walk up there with all confidence. I don't go, oh, please, please open. Oh, please open. Oh, please open, please. I don't do that. I hit that button, see that light, bam, I pull that. If that thing didn't open, I'd be like shocked. What? I would be more mad that it didn't work. But yet more believers get mad when it does. Like all of a sudden, they actually maybe need to really believe God. They, how many believers have you seen get upset when someone says, well, I'm the heel of the Lord? Uh-huh. I believe God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Uh-huh, yeah, right. And it's like they get mad because, man, I was sowing and God blessed me and he got this into my hand. And you start telling, man, you know, I had this symptom in my body and I began to pray God and confess his word and I got healed. And they get mad at you. Amen. They get mad. At, well, you know, that doesn't happen all the time. You know, sometimes God puts sickness on your body, you know, to teach you something. Well, if you read your Bible, you realize you can have a key to stop that stuff. In essence, those individuals say, here, devil, take my healing key. And you decide when I get and don't get. Amen. 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 I mean, you know you can give your keys away. Yeah. 
Once you get it in your possession, you can tell the devil, here, you want it? And the devil will be sure enough to decide when things can access for you. He'll access it and lock it up and unlock it long enough just to get you in complete deception. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I'm preaching better than yours. Amen. But that's okay. Somebody in Japan needs this right now. Amen. Because this is going out. This is going out to all the world. And they need to hear that, you know what? We don't have to be Millie Mouse. We can know God's word. Listen, he's the king. Where the word of the king is, there's power. What he says doesn't, come, doesn't fail. And my emotional state does not change God. His word is forever settled. So let me settle on his word instead of settling on my emotions. Let me settle on his goodness instead of settling on my problems. Let me settle on his finished work and quit settling on my doubt. Let me settle that his word will make it happen. And no matter what I see, and even if the conditions seem worse after I said it, it's still going to come to pass. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So we have confidence. The next thing keys represent are power. Keys represent power. See, what we're doing is we're talking about things that unlock heaven in you. Because, again, Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, God wants heaven to manifest in your earth and in your earth suit. He wants you to participate in heaven's bountiful blessings, but you have to access them with the keys of the kingdom. And a lot of us are blaming God when God's like, I've given you the keys. I mean, there are so many key boxes in there. And in the United States, we can get multiple key boxes. And salvation, which is receiving the Holy Spirit, that begins to teach us the word, lets us navigate through the word. That's my key to this. That's my key to this. That's my key to this. And we then bind and loose on earth. We do. We do. We do. And if anything's happening in your life without you doing it, somebody else is doing it for you. This is why these mama's prayers are so powerful because they're locking and unlocking things over their kids all the time. Even though they're moving out in death and destruction and things are happening, but they're, they're keeping so much from what could happen because they're still covering them with their prayers. And they've got that key box out unlocking and locking things up. They're binding the devil over your life and they're loosening the Holy Spirit and labors to come by your path. And a whole bunch of laborers come by and begin to say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Ah, that's like my mom. You know, she's always preaching at me. Well, since you're not listening to her, she's praying somebody else to go. But they didn't go just because she was crying out. She's unlocking something. They're unlocking something. Some of them are saying, my boy's going to be right with God. Doing everything to make power available to you. But ultimately, you're going to have to unlock salvation yourself. And you're going to have to unlock all the things of God. If you're going to grow in him yourself, and God wants you to have that kind of access. He wants you to have that kind of power. Just like I said um, to this morning when you came, I don't care how many of you came. If you don't have a key to the church, you're not getting in. And you can hold a prayer meeting outside all you want to. Are you with me? What you have to do is you have to wait for someone to show up with a key. And when you do, then we can, we have the power to open that door, disarm an alarm, and let people in. Well, you understand, this is just a building. But guess what? You can have the keys of the kingdom and access it anytime you want. You don't have to wait for a pastor to show up. Now, if you don't have the key and you don't know, then you need to call somebody that has the keys. So, Pastor Marcy had you sing for me for my birthday, right? And yes, it's my birthday tomorrow, but there's also another date that's significant about my birthday. Randy and Melanie Clay, on my birthday, Melanie had a brain aneurysm. I think 13 years ago, maybe. Is that right? 13 years ago. Melanie, would you stand? Melanie's going to stand up. All right? There she is. Hallelujah. All right? So 13 years ago tomorrow, she had a brain aneurysm, which means she started having this pressure in her brain, right? Bad headache, started losing her sight, fell out. There's her husband at the house. Well, he did the only thing he could do. Take the power he had, which was the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues and began to speak in tongues. I'll talk more about that here in a minute. He began to pray over her. Now, at this point, he did not do get on Facebook and send out a prayer chain. He didn't do that. Because there's no good of asking a bunch of people to pray who some would pray this way. 
Oh, Lord, be with Randy as his wife's fixing to transition and go on to heaven because the Lord's going to take her. Because in my family, my, my aunt had a brain aneurysm and died. Now, Lord, I, I don't know why you're taking her so early, but just be with Randy. Comfort him. Comfort him. Can you come and come? Just comfort him. Now, you think I, this is funny, or you think it ain't funny, cause some, but this is unfortunately how people pray because they have a key of salvation but don't, do, have never accessed the key of help. What you do is you put an experience of somebody's life over God's Word. I can show you in God's Word many more. In fact, there are so many accounts, even the, the apostles themselves says, John said, if we wrote down every miracle Jesus did, I would have to surmise uh, there's not enough books that the world could contain. So the track record is God healed way more often, in fact, all the time, than he did not. So that I never see one account where Jesus walked down and says, well, now see this woman right here? That's her son. Now she already lost her husband, guys. And this is her son, which is the way of life. You understand? And this is the funeral. And, you know, I don't know how she's going to make it, you know, because obviously she's depending on her husband taking care of her and her, her, her son to do it, and he's gone too. But, you know, it is. You know, I, I don't understand my dad. Sometimes he does things, you know, his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And, you know, but he just decided to call him home. No, what did Jesus do? In this case, Jesus went and said, put him down. <laughs> put him down. And they're like, and he said, open that box. And he takes and says, get up. And the man is raised from the dead. We limit ourselves. And the only reason we limit ourselves is because we don't know how much access we actually have. Do you know Jesus said, told his disciples, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, which means you, by the Spirit, could have access to that moment. That's the power that's on the end. I'm not saying that you're always, but when God's moving, you'll have it. Are you willing to listen to hear? We were over at 312, and we had this whole healing service with a guest minister, and a guest came with their children that obviously had some uh, physical ailments, but yet and on the way they were leaving, the baby, the infant, died in the van. And I thought, well, Lord, this is no good. I just had a man come minister about how you heal, and we're going to have somebody in our parking lot die. Can't be. Cannot be. So I pled my case with the Lord, and I sensed in my spirit, you go lay hands on that child. And so I couldn't even see it because they were all around, and we had some nurses with the church. And I put my hand around, stuck, and grabbed the child, touched the child. I said, in Jesus' name, be, uh, be made whole, be alive. And then I just let go and went and prayed in the spirit. Well, a few minutes later, you know, the rescue units came by, and then they were attending. Well, the child was alive. The testimony I got was the nurse that was working, and the child was lifeless, dead, had nothing. Said, when Pastor, when you put your hand around and laid hands on that child, all of a sudden they started breathing. Hallelujah. Now, you may say, well, I don't know if that's true. I don't care whether you know it's true or not. That mama knows it's true, and that child knows it's true. And the Bible has plenty of times that people were raised from the dead. Why? Because when you can access the gifts of the Spirit, then you can receive a gift of the Spirit and cause the gifts of the Spirit to operate, which is a work and a miracle to take place and bring somebody from the dead back into life. Hallelujah. Now, these things aren't as you will, but as a God wills. I get this. My point is, is that a lot of times we ain't even trying to go to the key box to find out. And many things are passing by because God's like, can someone please grab the key? Many people sick don't have to be sick. Many people broke don't have to be broke. Many people in depression don't have to have depression. And they're asking God to unlock everything. And he says, I have. I gave you the master key. Now, you search the scripture for yourself. I'm not asking you to believe anything I say because I say it. 
I ask you to get in there and do the scripture, but don't take your personal and people's experience because the reality is the Bible says no one knows the spirit of the man except the spirit of the man himself, which means you can tell me to my face and say, I believe God, but on the inside, you be, you're a full of doubt and unbelief. You know plenty of people who say things with their mouth but don't, with their actions don't do anything. So just because somebody says, I believe God, I'm believing God, doesn't mean they are. They could be in their quiet place saying, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? God's going to provide. We're broke. We're never going to get anything. And the Bible says that person's double-minded, unstable in the way, and they can expect to receive nothing from God. Yet they don't tell you that they're doubting. Just like on Facebook, they don't tell you their life's in shambles when they do their selfies. Best day ever, is it? Or is that what you want me to believe? Because you need a like. You need, you need me to acknowledge you. To affirm you. And then you got more depression when only 50 people liked it. And the one you wanted to like it didn't respond. Oh, I'm preaching now. Okay, that's fine. But it says this, Acts 10, I'll get back to Miss Melanie. Acts 10, 38 says, you know, Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. You don't get the Holy Spirit without power. And how he went around doing good and healing how many? And healing how many? All who were oppressed by the devil. Guess what? They were not oppressed by God. They were oppressed by the devil, not God. They were oppressed by the devil. Not God. And if you actually read Job right, God didn't do it. Job asked for permission. And really he's saying, what can I do to Job? And he says, the dominion you stole from Adam is what you can do to Job. And, and Adam had dominion over all the earth, which means you can have dominion over his cattle, over his kids, over uh, everything else. Then when he says, well, that didn't work, he says, sickness, sickness. And so what did the Lord say? Well, man was made out of the dust of the earth. So you know what? You can put sickness on him. But the thing is, he is actually righteous, and you can't put something on him so much that it causes his spirit man to leave his body. But Job didn't deny him. Didn't do what the devil said he would do. So when the Lord came back and says, guess what? He never denied you. Never did anything you said he would do if those things would take place. And so I'll give him double for his trouble. Double. Well, let's rightly divide the word of truth. I said, let's rightly divide the word of truth. Because that's in this dispensation, Job's dispensation, which is considered the oldest book in the Bible, somewhere between right after Genesis 22. So before we get off and just act like God's throwing sickness and disease on everybody, before we jump into those types of equations, let's see who's really doing the work. And let's see what Jesus does to counter that. Well, Randy Clay knew, I don't need anybody praying. I need people who are confident, who can boldly go before the throne of grace and pull power in for God to take care of my wife. So he called me. He called a couple other people, maybe three or four. How many did you call? Four or five at max. He didn't start a prayer chain. He didn't, he'd been in that, this one church for years. He knew hundreds of people, but limited to five. Why? Because all I need is about five people that really believe God. And as a result of that, things started opening up. Next thing you know, she's on life flight to a whole other state. And when they got there, they were amazed, said, man, the blood stopped flowing immediately. The minute it busted, it should have went on. She shouldn't be here. But it's like the minute it ruptured, she, it immediately clotted. Then they put the coal in. Coal's been there. She's been perfectly fine ever since. No problem. 13 years strong, living healthy and whole for the Lord. What the devil meant for bad, God turned for good. Because people could access the power of God and pull healing into her when she couldn't voice it herself. And when Randy was laying, said, you'll be healed, you'll be healed, you're going to be alive, you're going to live and not die, he was accessing for her. And then when he ran out of all that it is written, he began to pray in the Spirit. Why? Because Acts 1, 5, 8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is why you want to get the Spirit of God on the inside of you. This is why you want the Spirit of God on the inside of you. This is why you want the Spirit of God to come upon you, because you'll receive power. And when the power comes, a language will come. And when that language comes, you'll begin to pray out God's perfect will. Even though your mind doesn't understand it, you'll still be releasing God's perfect will in the earth. You'll be unlocking supernaturally the things of heaven. And bringing them into the earth. Amen. Amen. I'm amazed at how many believers know this. 
that I, when I die, I go to heaven. But after that, they don't understand anything. Their mind is unfruitful. What do I mean unfruitful? Well, what are you called to do with your life? Man, I don't know. Well, you know, do you believe God to heal you? Well, I mean, I know he can. You know, I don't know if it's his will for me to, to live or his will to take me out sickness, you know. Well, should you get this job? You know what? I don't know, if, you know, if it's Lord's will. How many times have you heard people say that? Well, I don't know if it's the... So if means you don't know, which means your mind's unfruitful to the plan of God. Yet, people will look at believers who are filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in an unknown tongue that the Bible admits that our mind is unfruitful. We don't understand the words we're saying, but we know it's the Spirit of God speaking through us. Our spirit man speaking as we're hearing what the Spirit tells us to say. And though we don't understand it, we're releasing it, and people laugh at us. Yet they admit they don't even know. Naturally stuff. I don't know God's will. I don't know what he wants me to do. I don't know if I should get this promotion. I don't know if he wants to give me a raise. I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. I hope so. Well, you don't know anything either. Why are you upset at us? Because we don't know what we're saying when we're praying in the Spirit. Maybe if you'll pray in the Spirit, you'll actually find out what you need to know. Because I've found that when I pray in the Spirit, and when I'm praying what I don't know, eventually the Holy Spirit will tell me what I need to know, and I'll release what I need to know, and I'll access, and I'll bring the power to bring that to pass. Hallelujah. That tells us in John chapter 14, verse 12, truly, truly, Jesus said this. Are you with me? Says this, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. What are we saying here? Jesus says, listen, the works I do, you do. Which tells us this, as believers, we should operate in the same power Jesus did. Why are we not? We just don't have the keys. We've not grabbed the keys of power. And it's not because God doesn't want us to. He tells us, this is God's will. Jesus said this. Truly, truly, I say, Jesus says to us, he, that's any of us who believes in Jesus, the works that Jesus does, that person who believes in Jesus will also do them. And why is this? And he says, greater works than these. What is the greater work? Here's the thing. When you came to church today, if, if, if we had not unlocked it, you'd have to wait for the select individuals that actually have a key to actually access, that has the power to unlock that door. And until they show up, you're standing around. But yet, in God's kingdom, he says, I'll give everybody a set of keys. Amen. Which means you don't have to wait for anything. You just go in and access it. And you can be the first one. Pastor, I've been here since 3 a.m. praying. Because I came on and let myself in. Amen. Well, the Father wants us to let himself in, ourselves into the throne. He wants to let ourselves in to his power. Let ourselves in. Amen. This is why you give keys so you don't have to wait up on somebody. Keys represent freedom. Last one's this for today. Keys represent freedom. John 8, 31 to 32 says, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Singing won't make you free. I said singing won't make you free. Coming to church won't make you free. Getting in a prayer line won't make you free. Truth is what sets you free or will make you free. And truth only comes from the Word. The Word of God. The Word is truth. I said the Word is truth. Now, you can sing truth. And someone can minister to you in a pre uh, healing line in truth. And you can receive what they're ministering. That's true. But it's the Word of God that sets you free. And only the Word of God. So many people, again, run from conference to conference, camp to camp, service to service, looking for somebody who has keys to unlock their problems. When the Lord's saying, why are you running around? Why don't you get planted in a local body where a pastor is actually cutting keys? We're cutting them for you. I'm giving you your own set, your own copy that you can unlock heaven and get it in your life. John 3, uh, or 8, 36 says, So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Romans 8, 2. Romans 8, 2. Romans 8, 2. Paul, the apostle, the writer, 
of over half of the New Testament who himself said in, agree in agreement with Peter that I don't pin these things or anything came, contained within the Word of God is not a man's interpretation. The Holy Ghost has given all of those authors the instruction of what to write. Paul, because the Holy Spirit said, tell them who you were before I, you encountered me. Go ahead and let them know. And Paul wrote it down. He said, okay. He said, concerning a Pharisee found blameless. Concerning zeal in the law, perfect. He said, if anyone knew the law, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I knew the law. And yet Paul writes right here that there's still a law in play. Now, unfortunately, there's a lot of not very great ministering going on saying nobody's under the law. Well, you're in trouble if you're not under this law. Paul said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. If you're not under the law, by grace, if you're not under the law, by grace of the spirit of life, then you're still under the law of sin and death. Here's what God did. The Bible tells us, 2 uh, 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 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that the old covenant was written in a way so that it lets us know about things that we're in today. And so the account of Esther lets us know how this works. Esther married a man, and he was the king of the kingdom. And he had this guy that worked for him that wasn't a good guy at all. In fact, he hated the Jewish people. So he went to the king and he said, King, we need to create a law. A law that allows us to destroy a race of people that you have conquered. They're called Jews. And so I, they are not good for our nation. They're no good for our nation. They'll only hinder our nation. They will not abide by. And so we need to create a law that on a particular day, they can be eliminated from our population. The king said, okay. So he wrote a law, sealed it with the ring, and it got put out in every providence. And the law said, on this day, Jewish people can be killed. And all who would kill them are not guilty of murder, but they're doing the kingdom a favor. Well, when Mordecai saw this, he ripped his shirt and he realized this is the king's word and there's nothing we can do. So he goes to Esther and he says, Esther, there's a problem. There is a price on our head. Our nation's gonna die unless we do something. She says, listen, I can't go into the king's court unless he for me if I go in without permission and he doesn't receive me he'll kill me and Mordecai her uncle says listen if you don't do this fine but God is able to raise up somebody to deliver his people but could it be young lady that you have been put in this place for such a time as this well, she said, let's pray. So the Jewish nation within a nation began to pray and fast for three days. And she walked into the king's court. And the king said, who is that out there? And he says, it's your queen, Queen Esther. So he extends his scepter and says, you can come. Instead of having her killed, he invited her in. And she said, dear king, he said, what do you want? Ask me anything. She said, I want to have a banquet with you and your guy named Haman. He says, okay, no problem. Haman was jacked. He said, man, I got a personal invite to the, to the king's palace with his queen. And man, they got a dinner just for me. And he goes, I hate that Mordecai. I'm going to kill him myself uh, on a gallow. And then we're going to kill the rest of his people. Well, the next day, Esther reveals the plan to her husband. And that says her husband was upset. And the, the gallows that Haman was going to hang her uncle, he died on those very gallows. Now, what does that tell us? The enemy has been destroyed. Jesus has whipped and stripped the devil of all of his power. He has no right to harass you anymore. And here's Haman who's dead. He cannot harass God's people anymore. 
But here's the problem. There's a law. There's a law. Just because Haman died doesn't mean the law died. The law's still in effect, Seth. The law's still in effect. So what happened? The king had to write a new law. Another law that would overrun that one. So he wrote another law and says, on this day that the Jews can be executed, I give the Jews permission to defend themselves. And if they kill their enemies who's trying to kill them, they won't be held for murder. And so the day came and the Jews defended themselves and they won over their enemy. And it was such a great day that they got a second day to go after their enemy again. So the law of the spirit of life allows us to actually be free from another law. That means we have legal right to say, devil, you're defeated. You have no authority in my life. I've been given access. I've been given power. And I've been set free from you. Anytime you come around, I'm going to show you the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I'm going to show you the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Devil, Jesus' blood's paid for me. Jesus' blood is paid for me. Jesus' blood is paid for me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. You, I am not in your family anymore. And because of that, he's been set free. I'm telling you today that when you gain access to these keys, it will unlock heaven into your earthly life. You want heaven to be unlocked in you. He has given you keys of access, keys of power, and keys of freedom. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you. You're the king.